how do I get my kids into hacking? And I ask myself this question, and now I'm asking Gator, what do you teach them? What tools do you use? And what are some of the cool activities you would encourage others to do to growing the next generation of hackers? So when you, when you started this process, you have young kids, what age did you like start? And you're like, this, this is the time I'm going to start building up cool projects with them. So was always going through and doing that in the background, but then I'm like, hey, they should be learning this at the same time. So might as well just bring them in. So uh, I've got three kids all under the age of 10. When I started with them, though, I started my oldest when he was six and my middle child when he was four. So okay. not, I mean, I mean, they're able to talk, right? So that's good. They're, they're able to read, which is good. But that's about, in my opinion, the minimum that you need to have before you can start introducing uh, the hacking concept to them to help continue to help create their curiosity and feed that curiosity. Yeah. I think that's a good way of stating it too. Like, I don't think it's like, Hey, like, so they can have a career in hacking and they're going to go into technology. Like they can, they can have another career. They, they'd be wrong to go anywhere. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but like, I think applying those, we'll say those, that hacker mindset just becomes so, yes. so helpful in almost any realm of research, whether it's even STEM or not STEM, but facilitating that. How did you get started? Because like, I found like KiwiCo and all these like links we're going to be discussing are absolutely not sponsored. If they want to sponsor us, they can, but they're, they're not sponsors. They're just like cool projects we found along the way. The, the one we yes. got started my daughter with who is in that like four or five age range was KiwiCo mm -hmm. had these cool, just like STEM projects where they got to learn like a little bit of like little engineering projects and whatnot. What, what about you? Like, what are the, what was that initial project you got introduced to around like that, that younger age? So, I mean, Kiyoko is a great box because they have so many different age sets. In fact, my mom actually got the Kiwiko boxes for the kids to where she goes and gets them once a, uh, at a certain point in time, takes one and works with it with them until they complete that box. And they're at the different skill level. So, um, I see the Kiwiko boxes coming in cause that's one of their projects that they do with grandma, which is great. Um, so for us, we actually started, funny enough, with lockpicking. Really? Um, family got, and it's silly, but at the same time, the interesting thing about that is that we were sitting down around, we were having, before COVID, uh, people were sitting down in our hackerspace or our, the lab area, and we were having a birthday party, and somebody said, hey, can you teach me how to lockpick? So a bunch of our family members gathered around, I had a bunch of these things laying out, and we did a training session, and by the end of the night, Half of the family was picking locks, including my two oldest that were just sitting there just working on it and they would pop them, which was hilarious. So you could teach this to even a four-year-old and for their use case, it was just something fun to do in the lab. They're not going to do anything malicious with it, but they're learning how the lock works. They now know how a key works inside of a door. So that's how we went through and got started. Yeah. So like, all right. Let's talk about lockpicking because I, I'm fascinated by this because that is su somehow like the gateway drug to ongoing hacking, which I think is awesome. Because I think like back to yeah. like our stories when we were kids, like I think video gaming or like something physical or like the first thing yes. you get into to bridge the gap. So if, if mm -hmm. ha being with lockpicks, how did you get them started? Because you can't just go to like, here's a six pick and tumbler with security locks. Was there like a good starting resource you got, you, you started introducing them to? So the answer to that question is yes. I, so I'm not sure on, on your side of the house. I started when it got into the hacking side was taking apart old radios, taking them apart, putting them back together. Sometimes they would work. Sometimes they wouldn't work thing and they got put back together. 
For the lock picking side of the house though, starting with something inexpensive because you don't know if this is a skill that they want to go deep diving into or if this is just like a one-off thing. So if you don't already have a lock picking set and or a practice lock, uh, 15 bucks on Amazon will get you a very inexpensive set with a clear lock. And that's a good first step. You're not spending a bunch of money mm -hmm. then. Um, if you want to step up though, um, some of the cheaper sets that you can get on Amazon or Alibaba or such can have sharper edges when it comes to the actual picking tools. So if you want to mm -hmm. go for a nicer pair, instead of spending like $15 for a, a lock and a practice uh, or the pick set and the lock, you could go get something from Southard. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so that's S-O-U-T-H-O-R-D. That's a pretty good brand. They have smooth sides when it comes to the uh, lock picking. So it, you're not going to cut yourself or your kids aren't going to cut themselves because it's too sharp. Um, and that's like, instead of it costing you 15 bucks, that's about 20 bucks for a kit. So yeah, you're not breaking the bank. And the kits last a while. I know like the kits I, I've had and I've won a few and things like that. Like the the actual tool you're holding on to can get like sharp and some of them have bigger things. And you need even use like electrical tape around them to make your own yes. grips. Um, but it's worth like Absolutely. getting nicer grips. But the lock itself, you said there was a clear lock. I also know yes. tool that's like T-O-O-O-L dot U-S. Correct. Yep. Um, Three they O's. have they have learning sets, which are really fun because yes. then there's, there's like six locks. It goes from every lock goes an increasing number of pins. So it's one pin and then two pins and three pins and four. So like anyone should be able to quickly pick the one pin lock. So I think that would be like a great Absolutely. one to start if you were young. If you're, if they are interested in it after the clear lock, uh, that's a great suggestion from tool. Love them to where not only have we referenced them in the past, because depending on what state that you're in, if you're talking about the United States, your laws may be different on what is allowed to have lock picks or not. So they have the resource there on their page for that. If you're in a state that you can have them for your own self. The other one that I go through is the uh, Sparrow progressive locks. And it's a set mm. of four locks that uh, go from one pin up to five pin. And it costs you 26 bucks just for the practice pins. And these guys are actually all metal and they have uh, numbers on the front for each one of these on the hardness level. So okay. it's nicer. You have cutaways on some of them. On other ones, you do not. Um, it gets you up and running and or the folks who are just getting started with lock picking. I highly suggest the, the Sparrow Progressive Locks. Okay. Now, one of the things you had mentioned was when you got started, it was taking apart radios. For me, it was uh, my father worked at one of the utilities here in Michigan. And it was great because he always got like they would junk out a bunch of this old hardware. And again, he was smart enough not to get me like something with capacitors in it where you'd like take it apart and like, you know, <laughs> die and kill your kid. But like right? <laughs> was was these little devices, you would just take it apart. So you learned, again, some of those fine motor skills just to take it apart. I wonder if that would be I've never thought about this before, but just going to Goodwill and buying old hardware because you don't want to. Yeah. buy brand new stuff, but grabbing like, old stuff at Goodwill just to have them take it apart and try and put it back together and not do what yes. most of us did, which was like taking apart like working things like Nintendos <laughs> right. and Xboxes, which costed way too much. <laughs> right. So the Goodwill or your thrift shop is a great suggestion. I've gone to multiple uh, discovery museums that they have old donated keyboards, old donated PCs, and you can sit there and take them all apart. And if you go to like your certain college classes and you go now for like your A plus, they typically have like old Pentium fours lying around that they say, Hey, see if you can bring it up to boot. 
And that's the entire idea, even behind a college level class, that they're just saying, it's old hardware. We're not afraid if you're going to kill it. We spent a couple dollars on it or it's it was just going to go to the trash. Right. So that's mm. a great suggestion. So that's that's really interesting. So you started with started with lock picking with with them, and that sounds like it was a good gateway. And there have they moved up in their lock picking skills? Is now I'm just kind of they curious. have. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they they've gone to where doing the first uh, two or three really easily. Um, one year I thought, hey, my wife needs just needed a break, so why don't I take the kids away for her birthday so she can just have peace and quiet because she's always there at the home with them, homeschooling them the whole enchilada. So I thought, hey, I got this during this time frame. You guys need to be able to go through all of these locks. And if you get to X level, we get to go do a treat or get a new device or X, Y, Z. So the boys were working on it, including being able to go through and pick handcuffs as well. So they got through the handcuffs pretty quickly. Um, (laughs) But the uh, we got up to the fourth level of the uh, the Sparrow progressive locks. And I mean, otherwise, the the barrel one, which gets a lot harder. Uh, you've got actually four different key slots here that you can go through oh, wow. and reprogram. Um, that one gets a lot of fun, um, but that's got all this like security tumblers and whatnot. They got through the basic four, so and they've kept about that level as well. So we had mentioned absolutely. the boxes earlier, the subscription boxes. Now there's an expense to these, but like the KiwiCo ones I really like because they go up in the age group and kind of like build on top. But you had mentioned a few others, which was like what hacker boxes and other ones. What other ones exist, which are like age appropriate for younger kids? So uh, the hacker boxes, if you're familiar with them, they're actually like in their like 80s or hundreds now to where uh, the box release that they have. So they've been around for a bit. If you've been going to DEF CON, you can see and pick them up there as well. But they're more for the higher age group or adult to where there's can be honestly a big gap from, hey, here's a couple small projects you can do. And then you have to know a lot more to build it all into one project per theme per box. Um, okay. As we're now, they've got hacker boxes that are called um, hacker box bytes. Um, and let's see, does it actually have? No, it doesn't. So uh, this is the the first gen of this. They just came out with it to where you can go pick these up. But uh, they are in more bite size form for ages 10 up to 110. So oh, cool. the barrier to entry with these are a lot lower than just the full hacker boxes. And they're about half the cost as well. So I think these come out once a month on the 15th of each month. And they're like 24 bucks a pop if you buy them individually. Okay. So you don't know the what's theme- coming in the box. It's yes. Go ahead. I was going to say the theme ones would be like wireless security or like some like RFID cloning where there are like more advanced yes. topics, but they include everything you need. What type of thing is in these? So uh, this one, uh, literally going through and opening it for the first time, this one is talking about USB drives. So beware hidden computers. They're talking about like bad USB and rubber Mm -hmm. ducky scripts and how easy it is to be able to use that, um, tell you how to be able to program it via the Arduino code, and then give you a couple of examples of how to get up and started with that, including the hardware to do so, which is awesome. And then tells you how to go through and protect yourself from like with a USB data blocker or are you going through and hardening this on your machine to make sure you don't trust something that's not uh, supposed to be on your machine, right? So they did a decent job of setting it for the first time. And the very last part, they have a printed circuit board that's uh, actually a pretty cool PCB ruler too. Oh, very cool. So, so there's yeah, kind of, right? it, it seems like a range, but it seems like this one would be for older. When you're aware of a lot of the security things that right. exist, it's not going to be great for younger kids, but... 
for a little older, it starts coming into like some of the fun things of programming these things and learning because right. like, this falls into probably another section, which is how do you kind of teach kids programming? Because there is a couple of concepts yes. there before we jump off. There though, absolutely is. What other ones exist? What other boxes have you existed or exist for kids or ones that you might even recommend for kids? Absolutely. So, uh, I'm just starting with my boys on, uh, the hacker box bites. So the oldest one that who's now 10 is going to be jumping into that because I think he's at that level. Now, the next one is from crunch labs, uh, which is, if you've seen the guy, uh, Mark Roper who goes yeah. through and does the explode, uh, glitter box for people through the porch pirates, mm -hmm. he just started making his own packages and sending them oh, out to folks as well. Fun. So, uh, they, they just sent out the first set. Uh, we were able to get in on that. So that's where I'm going to have my, uh, my eight year old go through and start working on that one. And that one's more on the making and engineering side of the house, but it's still creative. You're building something with your hands. Um, I don't know that there's any programming on this one, but that's, uh, that's another one that I can suggest. Um, then there's that eight of fruit boxes. Uh, those only come out quarterly. Um, there's a little bit more on the expensive side, but for how much you'd be spending on the hacker box or crunch labs versus what you'd be spending on Adafruit is roughly the same. Um, their instructions are fantastic when it comes to building things step-by-step step, as where, like I said, that the full hacker boxes set can leave a little bit left there. So those are the, uh, the four that I know of right now uh, on top of what you talked about with the Kiwi boxes are the, the four that I would suggest. Okay. Now, question, we had talked about programming, which is obviously a, more of an advanced concept. Have you done, like, how did you train your kids to, training sounds, sounds, how did you help introduce them towards, <laughs> introduce them? Thank you. Uh, how did yeah, you yeah. introduce them to programming? It's like one of the things, uh, Bunny actually, Bunny and Skyria bought our kid when they were a kid was a program, like a coding book for kids where it was like you flipped it over. And I think you might've seen this again. This was like a co really cool gift. I'll like, again, that will be another link in the description because it was like a, a robot flip book. It was like one of the flip books where it talked about coding, okay. but just computers in general and binary. And like, at this point, my girls are just like flipping the pages back and forth and uh, opening them all. But it is like introduces some of those concepts. What have you been doing? mostly? Does. So on that side of the house, uh, there is a handful of different programming books that I can suggest that I did firsthand with them. Uh, programming Your Own Games in Scratch is a great beginner book. It's very thin, right? So I put a link to it uh, in part of our show notes, and it'll be online as well. But it's a Coding in Scratch Game Workbook, Create Your Own Fun and Easy Computer Games is the full title. It's a huge title. Um, the book is about this big, and it's meant to be a workbook. And the idea is as long as you have a machine that they can work on, downloading Scratch as a programming language is a nice GUI drag and drop tiles, but they start learning logic. They have examples to get started. Mm -hmm. And the fact is that they get to start telling their friends, family, and whoever else that they're building and programming their own games, their minds go, <laughs> and then they can actually send them a link to it to where they're building this and say, okay, well, let's change this character name to this individual versus that individual and you've customized the game for them it's pretty awesome and it's a great gateway to get them more into it so like scratch like what can you do in it this is the first time i'm hearing of this one so scratch is a you can basically do anything on the basic programming so saying if there's a sprite or a small character you can make your own sprite or grab one and in the early ex examples they had sprite go through and interact with a ball 
So if the sprite interacts with the ball sprite, it's going to then kick it five spaces forward. And then the idea being that you also have a goal uh, mm -hmm. sprite. So then if the ball crosses into the goal sprite, then you get points. There's confetti that shoots all over the place. And then into uh, bring up the score point by one. So those are a lot of different steps, but you've then created a very simple if object interacts with another object and hits this end goal, then you get a win. And it just gets more complicated from there. So uh, different space games to where you're going through and dodging like uh, uh, the alien invasion or if you're going through and uh, doing, hey, what is your name? They'll type in their name and then it'll interact by bringing up each uh I would say either character or another example of what each one of the letters stand for, or it does a really cool techno vibe thing to music when they're introducing the names. But the there's, whole, there's a whole bunch of different ones. Yeah. The whole thing is just a drag and drop interface though, where they can start learning logic. Now, one of yes. the recommendations, I think it was, oh, I forget who noticed it, but I, or who um, mentioned it, but I noticed uh, Live Overflow has been talking more and more about Minecraft on a lot of the different oh, yeah. hacking you can do with it. Now, he's going more advanced, like packet dumping and looking at the logic and then actually looking at, like, here's how ints recommend, like, how ints interact with each other. And it does a vector. And then here's how, like, wall hacking, like, way more advanced. But some of the ways right. you have described it to me is teaching some using Minecraft to teach some of the logic with like redstone and things like that. Is that like a Absolutely. good gateway as well? I would say after Scratch, if they understand Scratch and they enjoy playing with it, yes. Minecraft is the next best step. You can go into Minecraft and start understanding how redstone works. But then there's also like Python with Minecraft that you can install and work alongside of it to where you have Minecraft open and running. Then you have your Python terminal that you're able to go through and start interacting with the world and saying, oh, build me a castle. Click, click, and boom, you've got castle. I want lava in the middle of my castle. Okay, let's import this. Boom, you have lava spouting out through the center of your castle, rolling off the edges, and they are able to create that in a couple clicks. So, so you're actually uh, saying there's, between the two of them, what? Minecraft is more advanced than Scratch. Like yes. Scratch would be the starting I would one. say so, yes. Absolutely, yeah. Scratch is where I would go through and start with anybody. Uh, as long as they can go through and read, that's a good starter. And then I would say Minecraft, if your kids play Minecraft, I would say probably around six or so, six or plus. If they can okay. do it when they're uh, younger than that, that's fine. Because people can go through around and play Minecraft on their tablets a lot easier. If you want to start interacting with that, you're most likely going to need a full up machine. Um, that's one of the hiccups that we can have and talk about as well with going like with the Raspberry Pi versus doing a PC or a spare PC that they can go through and experiment with. So yeah, I would so say absolutely scratch Python and or Minecraft. And maybe that's the next logical step is when they're ready for their own system. And I think there's a whole other conversation, which is probably like kids in <laughs> privacy that at one point we need to discuss. Probably not on right. this stream, but for this one talking about like their first devices, whether it's a phone, yes. whether it's a tablet, whether it's a, a computer they can break and things like that. I think there's probably a couple of conversations. So first let's start with that is do, right. do your kids have phones, which you let them play with where they can program on them or like that they can start playing any, like we'll say specific games, or did you jump them for, to a full system first, like a raspberry Pi? So we started with the Amazon Kindle fires for kids. 
because you have the adult lockdowns you can do versus doing a full up Android. I will say both Android and iOS back when we started our kids with their computing devices didn't have good parental controls. So they either had access to all of the Play Store or you had a more limited scope with the Amazon Kindle setup. We went that route. We've got Mm -hmm. a handful of them. We've gone through a couple iterations of them and they're pretty inexpensive. So we're talking like if you get them on sale, they're like 30, 40 bucks for a basic tablet. Right. It's so yeah, it's, cheap. It's, in, because, it's I mean, insane that these devices have come down like to like 30 bucks. Like that's less than the cost of like a dinner that I, I know I'm I'm showing my age like old man calling things expensive. But that is amazing. Those are almost to the point where it's a disposable item. Like that's crazy. Yes. Ab- but you went absolutely. With the fire. So that's what we started. We wanted the fire to start with. That's where we got Minecraft on there. We got other uh, like multiplication games and such and then loaded up some movies because when we were able to travel back before for COVID. Those were great devices to be able to move back and forth with, especially when our, our kids travel pretty well during the daytime, but at night, not so much. So it would be playing games and watching things outside during the day. And then at night when there's just traffic, that's when you go into tablet time. So okay. uh, playing Minecraft on there is how we got them started. After so long on that, um, started seeing the need. They wanted to go through and do some programming because they did scratch on our computers with super adult supervision. Um, and then I thought, okay, well, I don't have the money time to be able to go through and say, let's get a full machine for them. I don't think they're ready for that. Um, let's go with a Raspberry Pi because a Raspberry Pi kit at the time would cost you about 120 bucks for everything. So instead of you just buying the pie, because so many people say, oh, a pie is just 35 bucks. Mm-hmm. Yes, but you need so many other things to get it up and running. You need a display, you need cables, you need SD cards, you need to have a keyboard and mouse. You need a case. So all in all, say 100, 125 bucks, you can have a Raspberry Pi per kid. That's a lot cheaper than what you could build anything else for at the time. So during that point in time, I was upgrading my Raspberry Pis because I've been a small time collector. I've got something like 40, 50 Pis. Oh um, I upgraded from, I've got a few of them, right? Um, <laughs> by the way, everyone's asking pies. about like, what, what, why is there a shortage of Raspberry Pis? This man, this is why no, there's a shortage. No, it is not. <laughs> so I have bought them in the past uh, before they were as expensive and before everything else was going on. So I'd usually buy two or three at a time because not only had I been collecting with them, uh, they're a, ga- a great gateway to get people into Linux and home hosting. So I upgraded my machines to the more uh, powerful pies and I gave them the older generation. So I said, okay, if these things die, I'm not... I'm not going to cry over them because they are the older generation. I've replaced them with the faster machines. Now the kids can go through and learn how to put them into the case. They can plug in the HDMI. They can plug in the USB. They get to learn the different ports and that will directly transfer to them building their full machine later on because they've got experience with every time they had to set up their play desk where they grab the Mm -hmm. monitors, put them on the table. They had to grab each one of the cables and figure out here's the, uh, the Pi interface, here's the display interface, and plug them in. And I had them do that multiple times to where the setup time went from 15 minute setup time to where they could do it all in less than two minutes because they knew what they were doing. They got familiar with the ports and I wasn't afraid that they're going to ruin super expensive equipment because I'm a hundred bucks in or less because I'm using the last generation. So it worked out really well 
They got to now program on their own machine with Scratch, which worked out great. They have their own Raspberry Pi with uh, Minecraft. Their edition at that point in time was called uh, a Bedrock Edition. So it was not the full Java edition. It wasn't the one compatible with Windows yet, but it got them somewhere to where they had their own machine. So that's what I would say that would be the next step is Raspberry Pi, have them learn the plugs, plug it in themselves, and then they're able to start saving their games uh, that they built and say, hey, I can go take this Raspberry Pi to grandma and grandpa's house, grab my components, drag it over, and set it all up and show them. Yeah, what's really cool about that, too, is especially with the Raspberry Pis, like if they hose the operating system by doing like RM-RF star or something like that, all of a sudden it's not, uh, you're not hosing an entire system. It's just like, all right, pop out the SD card, put the new SD card in, and all of a sudden like they're, they're back rocking and rolling. So absolutely, with, with so many of the systems now, it, what's funny to me is you're not teaching them Windows. You're teaching them Linux on all of these <laughs> systems. Like, okay, to start with, yes. But the reason is because when you're doing the Raspberry Pi, it doesn't support Windows unless it's the IoT edition. So they got used to a GUI. It was inexpensive. After about, about a year, year and a half of them working with the Pies, programming on the Pies, uh, we had the financial funds to go through and say, I can build each one of them their own gaming PCs for school for about 300 bucks. So we pulled the trigger. We got them um, i3s, custom built. Uh, custom building is in, we got all the pieces. And since they had worked with the Pies enough, I trusted them enough with hardware to say, you're building your own computer. So they have all the parts on the, the table and they've been watching uh, a couple different training videos. They've watched me go through fix other people's machines. They've got hands on with some of it of older machines that we don't care if they screw up. <laughs> and then they went through and they they put in the, uh, the different uh, extensions for the actual case to make sure the motherboard doesn't touch the case <laughs> and short out because nobody ever does that, right? Um, no, never going through. There's never a screw. There is never a time I've ever put a motherboard on where I left a screw underneath and put the extensions on. And then all of a sudden the magical smoke came out. Never. That may be a yep. not yep. an accurate story. It's definitely happened. <laughs> so we once now, that blue smoke comes out, it's gone. <laughs> so when we've talked about this, we talked about like the different hacker boxes you can get into and some of the other skills. What's next? Like, what, what is the next thing you're leading your kids to do, which is something like I can learn from? So uh, one of the things that I had an opportunity to do was take them to a maker fair. Uh, the, again, before COVID, maker fairs are somewhat, uh, they open and they come up in different locations. So mine was like in the Bay Area of California. So we had to drive about six hours, but you got to have a little bit of everything as far as the makers go to where you had people going through and sewing, 3D printing, circuit board, uh, paper circuit cardboard setups, uh, people going through and building uh, solar panel setups. You had full end robotics that went super crazy, like full R2D2 style droids driving around. Um, it was a fantastic experience to be able to go introduce them to a little bit of everything. And I got my wife to go through and uh, let them start soldering at the conference because they had low wattage soldering um, irons. They weren't going to get terribly burnt. And there was a total of like four solder points. I think they had an LED, a pin for uh, being able to put it onto your shirt and a battery pack. So wasn't crazy on it. Wasn't that many soldering points, but they got to learn something new. Uh, there was another experience that you could go up there as well and get them introduced to uh, breadboarding. 
and they mm. breadboarded their own um what was it it was um a multi-button led and sound device that they got oh, to go fun. through and wire everything up so you got to experience quite a few different things in the maker area that got them curious and they got each one of them came away with something that they were more interested in than the other so if you have an opportunity to get to a maker fair absolutely kid friendly and it's for every age that's the thing that blew my mind is that literally from age two all the way up to a hundred they had something for everybody and it seems like depending on the age group, what you're really trying to do is like expose them to a lot of different things, whether it's a little bit of programming, they might not be into that. Okay. Taking things apart, going ahead, breadboarding. I do think like bridging that gap from, um, we'll say the log, the logical side to actually like seeing and feeling like LEDs going on and off and blinking and hearing sounds like when they create something and then it does something that, that right. has been really really cool especially with my kids like going going through even the kiwi co like they the last month was a little device put these little fluff balls out and then they roll it on over and it was like a wheel that just like hits hits them back in the the, the box like it was nice very basic but it was really cool watching you go i built this thing this thing is really cool uh one Absolutely. thing which is so sad and I, i'll pull us down this 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 sad story is for the longest time, I've been excited to bring my kids to DEF CON because of DEF CON Roots. There was an announcement mm. that came out this past week that DEF CON Roots is no longer a thing, really based on two reasons. I think it was one, it was COVID, and two, it was just that it takes a remarkable amount of work and you have to have a team which is very, very passionate about it. And they're just, they're stepping back and they're waiting for hopefully someone else to take up the torch. Is had you had bring had you brought your kids to DEFCON before? Or was this on the horizon for you? It was on the horizon, man. I I was literally talking with my wife, saying, "Okay, we've got the whole COVID thing. We've still got a a, a family member whose uh, immune system is compromised, so we've been shielding more than most." Um, and oh, can I can I should I bring any of the kids this year? No, let's look at going next year. Maybe we'll do it as an entire family then. And at that point, I found out that. My oldest was old enough to start going to Roots. So I'm like, I finally get to take them and have them experience this awesome area of DEF CON that's been going on for 10 years. That wasn't around when I started going to DEF CON and I wish it would have. And that's why I, I like started my own makerspace and hackerspace was because I wanted to make sure that was available, not just for my kids, but for other people that were interested. So it's awesome to see what they have done for the community. I know a lot of folks who was able to go through Roots and they learned a lot from it. And it's super disappointing to see <laughs> that I'm missing it by this much with, with the kids. So trying to take the same idea with them and do it here at home, I'm, I'm also hopeful that somebody else will take up that torch and move forward with it. Yeah, but it sounds like there's different ones too. Like you, the one thing I didn't know is that there's these maker fairs that have gone and that kind of like travel around the do certain things. Because I know there's like, there's hands-on museums and things like that, but it sounds like there's fairs that Discovery actually will museums. go. Absolutely. So between Discovery Museums are amazing. Um, growing up in the California, Nevada area, so like Palm Springs, uh, you've got ones in Las Vegas. I mean, if you're going to Vegas and you've got kids, the Las Vegas Discovery Museum is amazing. If you have a Discovery Museum around you, take your kids or nephews or whatever, because it is fantastic. You'll get hands on. It's a lot of fun. Um, that's where a bunch of uh, my siblings also got into going through and taking things apart to where they had, like I said uh, earlier, PCs that were old, like Pentium 3s and Pentium 4s that were 
recycled and they're just sitting there. I had my brother go through and taking apart a keyboard meticulously for an hour and a half, taking apart an old school mechanical keyboard just because you could. I, I got one more for you, which you introduced me to this, which was when you're talking about electronics and breadboarding, a concept that is fascinating to me is these new type of electronics, which are on paper that you can actually draw circuits and things like that. Can you, do you, have you played with those at all? Are they something which are like you would recommend? So I believe some of the, uh, the Kiwi boxes actually had that as well. There's also like origami ones as well. So yes, there's, there are resources for that. Both SparkFund and Adafruit have tutorials on how to do it, but basically you're grabbing copper tape and then you are making a connection. Uh, so you either need a, a button cell battery is the good starter point and tape because Ultimately, when you start going through and layering these different copper tapes, you're going to need to make sure it's metal to metal touching and not all copper tape is the same to where you're going to have to fold it back on itself and then to be able to create that closed circuit. So started working with the boys on that. Uh, my mom got to go through and work with them on that. So there are a lot of cool starter projects that you can get with circuits to where they're super low power. You're not going to worry about uh, folks getting shocked with it if they mess something up and the burning point of paper is way, way high. So you're most likely going to be okay. Um, the it, only thing that you would have to need to watch out for is if you're using the coin cell batteries, making sure little, little ones can't get to those versus if you're using the step up with like two AA batteries, they're a lot easier to spot, but then you're going to have to like make sure that you've got resistors in place so you don't burn up that LED and let out that magic smoke. I see. So like, but what, what I'm hearing is like, these things are easy to get started with. It's like a piece of paper and tape and it's less like even adults, yes. like I know, like it gets overwhelming sometimes when you're looking at like all the wires and parts when you first get introduced to hardware. And that's a cool way of doing it, where it's just like paper and tape and LEDs that you just attach to well, a piece of paper. Absolutely. Yes. It, it's a great way to get started, be able to play with a couple different circuits. Um, usually they, they come with tutorials when you're doing this, like through SparkFund or Adafruit. So then you're not just going at it willy nilly. They've got, hey, here's some direction make this design and you're going to be able to have it light up. And that easily goes into like creating that into clothes now as well, because they have conductive thread. Oh, so it's, cool. it's like an onboarding process to where if you, your kids are into dressing up or doing Halloween or other things like that, where they're creating their own costumes, the, the gap from going from copper tape to uh, built in electronics into their, uh, their getup is an, it's pretty easy. It's an easy jump. <laughs> That's really cool. So, all right, we've taught, we've covered a lot. What have we missed? Is there anything more that you want to cover? So we haven't talked about 3D printing, which is another thing that if you have access to a 3D printer, uh, getting them started, whether it's having them go through Thingiverse and have them just print out something that they're interested in. I started, the first thing I printed off for my kids and the first thing I printed on the printer was the uh, spinny helicopter toys. And oh, you literally have two pieces that uh, you could just slap that on. They spin it. They fly way up in the air. Hey, that's cool. We got to design. We got to see it. We got to pick our color. And now it's pr literally printing out on the board. And from there, we've done other projects like keyboards and create your own, uh, basically like what a Steam Deck or Stream Deck is. Yep. You're able to go pick out your own keys and then you solder everything together on the back. So you, you pick your case, your color out. You can print out your own keys as well, which is a lot of fun. Uh, they end up starting to create their own mini keyboards that are only eight keys to the point where we jumped to where they literally 
picked their own keyboard designs, like a 10 keyless keyboard. They picked out their, oh, wow. their own switches a little bit to where they have literally gone through and soldered their own keyboards. And we do it for about an hour uh, each weekend. And they work on a project to where they had to solder across each one of these rows and down each one of these rows and then solder that to a Teensy or a Pico. Uh, the whole keyboard making community is huge. There is so much you can do there. But because this was the gateway, this was something simple. We all did it uh, between my wife and my two older boys. Uh, we did this in about a two hour project. This is a much longer project, but you get started to where, hey, you can start mixing both 3D printing and soldering and make some really cool gear. So with 3D printing, how would you recommend someone get into it? Do you recommend they use like a third party to print the things and confirm it's something they're interested in? Or is there like a basic like 3D printer you would recommend as your starting point? So that's a great question because uh, 3D printing can get expensive over time. So if there's only one or two things that you want to print, there are a bunch of different online services that you can use to 3D print an object that you already have chose. Like if you go to Thingiverse, you can find somebody else's design and then request how much this would cost from a printer. They would give you a quote and they could just ship it to you then, mm -hmm. which is a decent option. So depending on your pricing, if you want to do some tweaking and learning more about 3D printing, the Ender line is a decent way to go as of this time. Um, or go with the uh, the Prusa Mini is your two okay. options, in my opinion. And those are good, good entry level ones, like just starting out to be able to pull them out, get printing and then start, you know, playing around with the kid, the kids, having them, you know, build their first things. I know Thingiverse has been fantastic when I've ever done printed stuff because I can find a design on there and then just like ship it off. And it's pretty reasonable, like, you know, 20, 30 bucks, depending on what you're buying. And between Thingiverse or and or a Tinkercad, you can modify things that you find on Thingiverse, customize it to your ones or needs. And it's not a super deep CAD program, but it gives you enough to customize something and then get that shipped off. You had mentioned a few different projects that you like started with your kids. Is there any like very specific projects you would say like this is one you have to check out, whether you've purchased it or you've seen it? So after the the uh, soldering that we did at the Maker Fair, we did like the Christmas tree light up ones, which was a really easy entry. And then after that, we actually went to a solder your own lightsaber kit. Uh, that you can actually get from Adafruit to where you're doing a little bit of a mix between soldering and programming, but you're also 3D printing. So got to go through and have the kids completely design their their sounds, their lights, and the actual hilt of their lightsaber to where they're sitting there modifying each layer to have different colors of whatever and com uh, completely creating their own custom lightsaber. So the kit costs you like 50 bucks, which isn't terrible. You do need to buy your own blade. Uh, so that'll cost you anywhere from like 30 to 40 bucks. You can get some mm -hmm. uh, ones that have already like scratched and dent for much cheaper. So it's a fun kit. If you're into Star Wars or into just lightsaber fighting and you're literally creating your own lightsaber from ground up, definitely a project to go check out. Or, or just fighting in general. Now, the question is, is did any of your kids actually make a red lightsaber? Did they choose so their side of the force? <laughs> so the awesome part is that we actually picked the NeoPixel LEDs, which is something else that you'll have to go through and do, uh, that are the minis, and you can reprogram it to whatever you want to. So oh, they it's could a full feel RGB. Like full <laughs> RGB. So they could do whatever they want to. They could plug it back into their machine, reprogram it, and have new sounds, new lights, new colors, you name it. 
oh gosh, depending on their mood, it's just going to flip colors every once in a while, just for impromptu sword fighting. That's awesome. You know, that that would be fun. Maybe a mood uh, sensor or color temperature sensor that they could go through and reprogram live. We haven't done that, but that would be a fun addition. <laughs> Is there anything remaining before we close this on up? I would say two things. Codes and ciphers. Um, getting them into Gravity Falls. There are so many codes and ciphers that happen inside of that show that you can get them interested by watching this animated kids series that's two series long, but there's like reversing of uh, speech. There are different Caesar cipher codes, Rot 13, you name it. And the show is pretty entertaining. Um, there's also other Usborne books like the 50 Secret Codes that my kids have jumped into and absolutely had a blast with. And then on the Capture the Flag side of the house, I've actually had them start doing the try hack me after they built their machines. They loaded up windows cause they're gaming, they're doing Fortnite, So they're also learning windows, not just Linux. Um, the, uh, the try hack me and learning how to use try hack me and the sans holiday hack challenge. That was actually their first attempt at a CTF. And because it was a video game model to where you can go around and explore, they had a lot of fun with it. The try hack me with the, uh, the christmas special that they usually go through and do i think it's like the yeah. 21 days of christmas or such or 25 days of christmas uh going through each day with that uh they learned quite a bit they got about 10 days in and then we got busy with family but those are two great resources to see if they want to go more into the hacking and the ctf side those are both fantastic resources yeah now that you bring that one up pico ctf is another one which was made for now that's older kids but that's like high school students they recommend for pico ctf or pico ctf is a great one just for like the entry level and while that's like made for high school students i've even recommended that for like adults who are just getting into security because it really steps on through it's constantly a learning process with the kids and giving them access to resources. So if there's more resources that you as the community go through and find or that silk that you've got, I would love to have that conversation going on in the comments below. With that, just stay curious and love your hacker family. Thanks, Gator. Thanks for your time. Just going through like what you're doing with your kids. And then I picked up a few things I'm definitely be doing with mine. Lock picking. That's definitely one on the horizon. As always, thanks for watching and hack on.